Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. You know, maybe a point in time, some point in the future, where the field of paleontology can just say, hey, you know what? We've, we've learned all there is to learn. Uh, about the dinosaurs we we've got it all figured out we've discovered uh, all the species that that are there to be discovered but we're not there yet not even remotely close and so this our next guest in in his new book i think is an interesting look at just how far this this field has has come and some of the amazing discoveries we've made even as of late but how much more uh, there is to learn about the dinosaurs the book is called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, A New History of a Lost World. Uh, the latest book uh, from Dr. Steve Brissett, who is a paleontologist, evolutionary biologist at the prestigious University of Edinburgh. Steve, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me on to chat dinosaurs with you. Well, and yeah, and you know, we, we kind of feel like this is dino country out here. I know you were just in our neck of the woods just, just recently, as a matter of fact, uh, out in Drumheller, which, you know, the dinosaur world, that's... That's almost as good as it gets, I would think. I was. I was just <laughs> in Drumheller uh, last week, and uh, everybody's making dinosaur jokes about this election you guys are having about <laughs> yeah, the politicians. So you know, everybody's talking dinosaurs in different ways now. Um, but you no, know, Drumheller is is legitimately um, one of the the top handful of places in the entire world for dinosaurs. And when you're driving, you know, across the prairies, if you're driving from Calgary out to Drumheller. And you dip down into the badlands right as you go into town. You emerge into this world, this ancient world, really, that is bursting with dinosaur bones. All of those multicolored, candy-striped badland rocks, those are sandstones, mudstones, rocks that were laid down around 70 million years ago in rivers and lakes when there were all kinds of dinosaurs living in western North America, and you can find their bones bursting out of that rock, and that's why there is the Royal Tyrol Museum there, because there are so many fossils found in Alberta, and there are still new ones all the time. And I got to see some of the new ones when I went to the museum, you know, visiting some of my colleagues and my friends there behind the scenes. So none of this stuff is drying up. We are nowhere near getting close to finding all the dinosaurs that are out there. People are finding dinosaurs all over the world now, but we are still finding a lot, even in places like Drumheller, where people have been looking for over a century. Yeah, and and I guess there was a story recently about a T-Rex skeleton, which was not technically in Drumheller or even Alberta, but I I think it was in Saskatchewan where they found this this fossil uh, of a T-Rex, and they've nicknamed it Scotty, but apparently it was... It was pretty big, even a lot bigger than we we assumed that the T-Rexes were, and we already knew they were pretty big. Yeah, Scotty, that's right. You know, all these all these uh, T-Rexes especially get nicknames, by the way. So you hear of Scotty and Sue and Stan and Jane and all of these names. Uh, so Scotty is one of the best T-Rexes that's ever been found. It is from Saskatchewan. It was actually found about... Uh, 25 years ago or so, and it's just taken a while to clean up all those really big bones and for scientists to study them. Um, and it turns out that Scotty is one of the best examples of a T-Rex that's ever been found. You know, it shows us that these things really got big, even maybe a little bit bigger than we used to think. So we're talking butt-sized animals. We're talking about things that are 13 meters long as adults that weighed seven or eight tons that had a head the size of a bathtub that had more than 
50 teeth in their jaws, and each one of those teeth was the size and shape of a banana, and they wow. had these massive jaw muscles. They would bite through the bones of their prey. And you know what else they found in Saskatchewan, by the way? They found what's called a coprolite, and that's just a fancy scientific name for a piece of Tyrannosaur poop. And this thing is over oh, a goodness. foot long, and it's <laughs> chock full of bone, the bone that it crunched up as it fed. So yet another amazing Canadian dinosaur fossil Yeah, there. it really is amazing. Let's talk about the book. And I mean, it's, you know, to condense 200 million years into 400 pages is, I suppose, an interesting task. But it is interesting, the arc of this history. I mean, obviously, the title kind of speaks to this, where it's not the Roman Empire per se, but it, it is almost like an empire, isn't it? That's how I see it, and so, and that's how I, I try to tell the story in the book. So the, the book, as you mentioned, is called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, and it's a book for adults or for slightly older readers. You know, I've written kids' books before. Mm-hmm. I love writing kids' books. Kids love dinosaurs, but I really felt that there needed to be a pop science book about dinosaurs for adults to tell that story of these majestic creatures, you know, Dinosaurs did rule the world for over 150 million years, and they started small. They started humble. The first dinosaurs were the size of house cats, and they were living in a world where they were dominated by crocodiles and by car-sized salamanders way back when there was only one giant continent, and the world was much warmer than today. But the dinosaurs survived, and over time they spread around the world, and they started to prosper, and some of them grew to enormous sizes. I mean, Scotty the T-Rex was really big, the size of a bus, but that was nothing compared to some of the long-necked dinosaurs, these brontosaurus-type dinosaurs. Some of those things were bigger than Boeing 737 airplanes. And then there were other dinosaurs that evolved feathers and wings and got smaller, and turned into birds, and those birds are still with us. But then, of course, all the other dinosaurs, the T-Rexes and the Brontosauruses, they all died, and they died really quickly when this giant asteroid fell out of the sky 66 million years ago. So you put all that together, and there really is, to me, an epic story there, and it's a story that we're learning more and more about as people all over the world from Drumheller to Australia to uh, the Arctic Circle of Alaska to China to Argentina, all over are finding new dinosaur fossils. More dinosaurs today are being found than ever before. Well, and to that point, though, of course, there was the, the claim just recently that, you know, what they were calling this graveyard had been found, that, that these are the creatures who, who died when that asteroid hit. Um, I don't know. I mean, is that a bit of an overstatement at this point? What, what do you make of that claim? Well, let's proceed with caution on that one. So that's a very interesting story. A couple of weeks ago, this, this broke, and it really did uh, take the world by storm. I mean, I had almost immediately about 20 journalists from different places emailing me and tweeting me and trying to get my opinion on the paper well, and many sure, other yeah. paleontologists, too. And it was a big story, the story about this graveyard of many different types of dinosaurs, the bones, but also eggs and embryos and all kinds of things killed off by the asteroid. Uh, There was a research paper that was published. Uh, That research paper, you know, written by scientists for other scientists to communicate, um, did did not mention the dinosaurs. So the dinosaurs have just been mentioned in the press releases. They've just been mentioned in the news articles. They haven't been published scientifically yet. So, which means that people like me are really kind of on edge, to be honest, because there's this very exciting story out there, but we don't quite know how much evidence there is for it. So I think there's a lot of work that still has to be done, and this is a site down in uh, North Dakota, 
and it's in Badlands that are pretty similar uh, to a lot of the Badlands around Drumheller. The ones from Drumheller are a little bit older, um, but it's a similar sort of landscape. It's a landscape where not a lot of people live. It's a you know, vast landscape, so there's a huge amount of work to be done at this site to collect those dinosaur bones and identify those dinosaur bones and make sure that the dating on those dinosaur bones is correct and assess the evidence that those things actually were killed by the asteroid. So I think there's a lot of excitement still to come with this site, and I think this is another example as I talk about in, in the book, um, just how much we are still discovering. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people think these dinosaurs, they lived millions and millions of years ago. They left these dusty old bones, and people have collected these bones, and they kind of know what there is to know about dinosaurs. But quite the opposite. We are still learning more, and there is still so much more to be found. So if we have a pretty good idea of, of how the uh, reign of the dinosaurs came to an end... Talk about the beginning. You alluded to it. I mean, it's it's obviously then a much more gradual process, but can we kind of pinpoint at what point, you know, dinosaurs as we know them came to exist and, and came to dominate? Well, I think when most people think of dinosaurs, the image that comes to mind is a T-Rex, you know, sure. big yeah. bloodthirsty monster, or a brontosaurus, you know, one of these giant dinosaurs that was so big that it shook the earth every time it walked. But that's not what all dinosaurs were like, and that is not how dinosaurs got started. And like any empire, uh, dinosaurs had to start humble, you know, and, and the first dinosaurs lived between 230 and 240 million years ago. And those dinosaurs were, were quite small. They were house cat size, they were dog size, some of them got up to human size or horse size, but that was really it. And those first dinosaurs, some of them ate meat, some of them ate plants, they were doing okay, they were diversifying, they lived in different environments in certain places around the world, but they were not dominant animals. They were not at the top of the food chain. They were not the rulers of that age. And instead, during this time, which is the time we call the Triassic period, this was the age of crocodiles. This was the time when crocodiles were hugely successful. And some crocodiles were almost the size of buses. Some crocodiles had armor and they had spikes. And some crocodiles had sails on their back. Some of them had beaks. They didn't even have teeth. Some of them walked on their hind legs. You know, imagine a crocodile with a beak walking on its hind legs. Those were the animals at the top of the food chain. Those were the ones that were ruling that world. They were keeping the dinosaurs down. The dinosaurs were the supporting actors in that world. But that all ended about 200 million years ago. And that's because the supercontinent that all these animals lived on, this was just one giant landmass at the time, that supercontinent began to break apart. And of course it did. Of course, if it didn't, we wouldn't have the separate continents of today. Uh, and as it did break apart, eventually you would get, you know, the Atlantic Ocean between North America and Europe and different oceans in other parts of the world. But before the water came in to fill these cracks, you had volcanoes erupting through these cracks. And these were not normal volcanoes. These were super volcanoes. These were volcanoes that were spewing out tsunamis of lava for hundreds of thousands of years. And that lava scarred the land, and it also released a whole lot of nasty, poisonous gases, carbon dioxide, methane, sulfur dioxide, these greenhouse gases that led to a really severe global warming episode. And that led to a big extinction, and something like 70% of all species died. And among the ones that died were most of those weird crocs, but the ones that survived were the dinosaurs. And we don't quite know why they survived, but they did. And then afterwards, 
all of a sudden there's this largely empty world. Their competitors were gone. And we are now in the next period of time, what we call the Jurassic period. And uh, there's a reason they call it Jurassic Park. Right. And this is because this is when dinosaurs get big and scary. And they spread all around the world. And they evolve into those creatures like T-Rex and Brontosaurus that we all know and love. So there, there wasn't a lot of ways, an abrupt end then to, to this reign and another period of mass extinction. But, you know, as you noted earlier, I mean, you know, dinosaurs didn't cease to exist. And in birds, we, we still do have dinosaurs today, don't we? We do. We do. So, you know, T-Rex is gone. Thank God, I have to say. I don't think we want to live in a world where T-Rex can chase you down every time you go outside. Uh, Brontosaurus is gone, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, all those famous dinosaurs. But there's one type of dinosaur that does live on, and these are the birds. And birds are dinosaurs. They evolved from dinosaurs. They are part of the dinosaur family tree. And so it's weird to think that way, I know, but uh, birds really are just a strange type of dinosaur that got small and evolved feathers and evolved wings and developed the ability to fly. And those things were superpowers, essentially, that allowed birds to survive that asteroid that killed off the rest of the dinosaurs. And so that means, you know, if you're out and you're looking at, you know, whether it's a gull or a pigeon or an eagle or a blue jay or whatever it may be, you know, when you're looking at a bird, you really are looking at a dinosaur. You're looking at, a, at an animal that has dinosaur DNA, that has dinosaur blood running through its veins. And so that means that the dinosaurs are still with us, but they're a very different part of our world than they were many millions of years ago when they ruled the world. Yeah. And let me just ask you this. You talk about, you know, the books you've written for kids. And I mean, you know, you're still a fairly young paleontologist yourself, despite all you've done in this field. But in terms of the, you know, the next generation and getting kids interested in this field and all we still have to discover, do you feel as though, you know, we are setting the stage for that future, that the field remains vibrant going forward? I think we are in the most exciting time ever in the history of this field. I mean, it's it's hard to believe, I know, but I promise you it's true. Uh, right now, somebody's finding a new species of dinosaur on average once a week. So that means every year there are 50-some new species of dinosaur. They're being discovered. And that's been happening for about a decade. So just in the last 10 years alone, we've learned of something like 500 new species of dinosaur. And the, the reason is really simple. It's because the field itself is diversifying. The scientists out there looking for dinosaurs, the community is diversifying. It used to be that really it was a very small field. It was just a bunch, you know, or not even a bunch, just a small number of, let's face it, you know, pretty posh old guys at the gilded universities that studied paleontology, but now it's people all over the world. It's a lot of young girls go into the field, not just little boys now, and it's not just the posh people, but it's people everywhere. It's not just people in Canada and in America, but it's people in China, in Argentina, in Brazil. So many young people, so many people of my general age in, the, in their 30s or so that were inspired by Jurassic Park, you know, that saw Jurassic Park when they were kids all over the world. And so that is why this is such an exciting time with dinosaurs. That is why every couple of weeks you see some dinosaur discovery or some dinosaur story go viral because there are so many new things being found. But there still is a lot to find out there. And so that means that um, if we want to keep going, we just have to keep fostering 
the things that have made this revolution possible, and that is making our field very accessible and very open to everybody, not just to select few people. Well, the book is called The Rise and Fall of the Dinosaurs, A New History of a Lost World. Professor Brissat, thank you so much for joining us here today. really appreciate it. Rob, my pleasure, and good luck with this election, everybody. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Steve Brissat, a paleontologist, University of Edinburgh. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.